Hello, this is Jim Schwab, manager of the Hazards Planning Research Center for the American Planning Association. Last summer, we attended the Natural Hazards Conference in Broomfield, Colorado. It's an annual event that brings together four or 500 of the best experts from many fields related to disasters to discuss current disaster issues. And one of their key plenary speakers was Professor Thomas O'Rourke of Cornell University, a professor of uh, civil engineering. His teaching and professional practice include geotechnical engineering for earth retention systems, foundations and soil structure interaction, earthquake engineering, underground construction technology, and uh, engineering of large geographically distributed uh, systems such as water supplies, gas and electric and liquid fuel systems, and transportation facilities. Uh, He's the author of numerous publications Subsequently, we had the opportunity to interview Professor O'Rourke and ask him uh, more about the topic of his speech, which was infrastructure too big to fail. So listen in as we discuss this vital subject related to disasters with Professor O'Rourke. Let me start by asking you, presented a fascinating concept in there about the issue of infrastructure that is too big to fail and how that affects our perceptions about the kinds of probable events that we typically plan for. And this is a, a, an issue that I think planners have to wrestle with. It's, you know, what, what is beyond the pale of what they normally would expect to have to deal with in, a, in, in planning for disasters in a, in a large community? Well, uh, Jim, I think if we, we roll up our um, collective experiences from the last several years, particularly including Hurricane Katrina and the experience after the uh, Tohoku earthquake, especially with the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. Uh, We recognize that there are portions of the infrastructure which are subject to what we generally conceive to be rare events and believe that we have managed uh, with the given risk and reliability and engineering tools at our disposal but which, when they occurred, uh, with Hurricane Katrina and with the Tohoku earthquake, we were not prepared for mm-hmm. And it's quite clear that the cost and the pain and the suffering that was sustained or experienced after that uh, was something that was not affordable. So if we could replay that reel and look at it prior to those events, what we would do now is not try to deal with it from some probabilistic perspective. We would ask ourselves, what in this community is too big to fail? Clearly, a city like New Orleans, whose very survival rests on having a reasonably reliable um, levee system or hurricane or Mississippi River flooding protection system, can't afford to lose that, uh, that ring of defenses. So that's just too big to fail. Uh, similarly, in Japan, where their power supply is so restricted, uh, they import 84% of their energy, uh, and therefore they have to rely on nuclear, or they did prior to Fukushima, uh, rely on nuclear and had to really examine the issue of these nuclear power plants are just too big to fail. And, uh, and that clearly didn't happen. They, 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 they did fail, and they failed for reasons that could have been foreseen, They failed because there were risks associated uh, with earthquake generation and tsunami that some people had brought to the attention of uh, of the the appropriate authorities and which were never quite put into perspective. 
So when we talk about critical infrastructure, there's a sort of a means test that I think every community should, uh, should work with. And some communities have a more vigorous reason for having to deal with it than others. But I think all communities are, are dependent upon critical infrastructure. Uh, and you can debate for many a year what critical infrastructure is. But the real means test is, what is too big for your community to fail? And uh, in the talk, I gave an example of the water supply in Southern California, where there's 22 uh, million people in Southern California that were relying on 70% of the water that's coming in from the state aqueduct system and the Los Angeles aqueducts and the Colorado River aqueducts. They all crossed the San Andreas Fault and one major earthquake on the San Andreas Fault can sever all of those arteries multiple places, multiple times, and it can take at least six months to restore that. So imagine that Southern California, which is what, the, the 11th or the 12th largest economy in the world, is without water for six months or with, with partial It'd be devastating. Water. Devastating not only for Southern California, but for the United States, sure. and, and would have repercussions globally. Yeah. Well, actually, building on what you just said, and, and considering the source of much of that water in that particular situation in California, um, it was only a couple months ago, I was actually out there uh, and, and took a tour with somebody from the California Department of Water Resources of the levee system in the Sacramento-San Joaquin yes. Valley, and that is a scary scenario Very in scary. of itself. Yeah, so, so, what, so what we have, of course, is we have a collection point uh, at about that location where we collect the water from the river systems in Northern California and we put them in the California aqueduct and we, we, we send uh, the 49 billion cubic meters of water down the, the, the aqueduct system or the canal into Southern California every year, which, sure. which really they depend upon for their economy and their way of life. Uh, and uh, the problem right now is that the, the, uh, the waterway systems whereby this water is conveyed through uh, the, the, uh, the Sacramento River Delta uh, is inextricably connected and interfingered with other levees that are there for irrigation purposes and moving other water around. And, and so if they fail, they'll actually have a, a serious effect on failing the conveyance of, of water yeah. into the state aqueduct system. So one of the thought processes is that we need to get the state water out of this, this sort of snake pit of, of, of very vulnerable levee systems and either conveyed in tunnels or by some sort of a bypass system so that it's not subject to the, the, the vicissitudes of, of potential problems that can arise out of levee systems that just haven't been kept up or nor were they constructed with high engineering principles to start with. They're a bequeathment from our uh, sort of infrastructure past. We, we, we deal with uh, these heritages all over and uh, you know a lot of our infrastructure is aging. We all recognize that, and it doesn't make it any better as, as the years go by. It's just difficult to own up to the fact that, that we need to do something about it because it is expensive. Uh, however, if it, it's it, it, the, the infrastructure that's too big to fail, is is really too big not to be able to afford the expense to make it better. Yeah, the, the cost-benefit ratio, when you look at the potential cost of failure, takes on a whole other dimension. Uh, and, and really, critical infrastructure is, is not only a, how can I put it, um, a mechanical or a, or a physical resource. It, it has a, a human 
uh, community dynamic side of things. It, it's 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 very intertwined in the way communities operate and set their expectations and you know make provisions for the future. So it, 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 in, in many ways they support ways of life and ways of operation that are the heart and souls of the communities that they provide their resources for. So uh, not only are we talking about the loss of uh, economic losses or the loss of life, but we're talking about the, the loss of ways of living. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're an engineer, uh, civil engineer? A civil engineer. Yeah. And looking at this critical infrastructure question from an engineering angle, but if you had a, a bottom line message for uh, the, the urban planners out there trying to anticipate the job that they have to face in anticipating potential future recovery needs from disasters, what would it be? Okay, so we can expand on this theme of too big to fail. Um, I think every community should do an audit um, and say what in this community in terms of infrastructure is too big to fail. And one of the great means tests is you only get one. So you can't say, well, electric power and water and telecommunications. You really have to pick one of these things, water or electric power or some other uh, facility or system of facilities, and then develop a local coalition to understand what the problems are and what the financial needs are. And then there are a number of different mechanisms whereby things can be financed if there is an active and concerned community that wants to face the problem. Um, and uh, I think there's some really good examples, many from California, where um, local communities like the San Francisco Bay Area has identified from time to time the need to retrofit bars uh, or the need to retrofit their water supply. And these projects have cost billions of dollars, but they have passed bond issues that literally circumvent uh, some of the arguments and disputes that go on in the state legislature and actually allow the local community to take on um, the stewardship of its own future by, through levies on sales tax and so forth, uh, support the building of critical infrastructure for those places. It provides an excellent model and a way forward. Thank you, Professor O'Rourke, for taking the time to discuss this subject with us. To our listeners, for more information on this and related topics, please go to our Recovery News blog at blogs.planning.org slash post-disaster.